causing people to make assumptions about you because of your race. Fear of police brutality and the loss of life simply by being black. There's also fear on the other side. Police officers fear a crowd of people that outnumber them, throwing things at them, destroying their vehicles and doing harm to them. They fear that people are making assumptions about them simply because they're police officers and all of them are bad. There's fear as families of police officers watch their sons and their daughters or their dads in the fray of a very broken nation. This week, our church sign was vandalized and spray painted with BLM and ACAB. Um, of course, Black Lives Matter is BLM and ACAB is all cops are bad, and there's another vulgar version of that as well. This morning, I want to jump right into today's message because I think it's important for us right now in this moment. Because I agree, and I'm just going to state it very clearly, that black lives do matter, and that they should not live in fear of our police officers or racism. I also agree that not all police officers are bad, and there are bad ones that may need to be weeded out. No one should have to fear a knee on their neck as they suffocate and die. But this morning, as the church of God, what are we called to do? How are we to react? And how do we rise above it all? Now, we know that fear is a natural human reaction. We fear something that could cause us harm. And there's a healthy form of fear that's not a bad thing. When you encounter a coyote in the woods, having fear in that moment is not bad. Getting away from the coyote is a good thing. It causes a fight or flight reaction. You've probably heard that before. And scriptures teach that fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So we know that there's some fear there that's a good fear. We don't fear him as a tyrant ready to pounce as soon as we do something wrong, although some people see him that way. But we have a healthy respect for who he is. Now, fear can manifest itself in your life physically and mentally. And if we live in constant fear, it can cause physical damage and also make us unhealthy, both physically and mentally. Now, right now, we're in a moment of history in our nation, where we can easily let that fear creep into our lives and control us and keep us from doing anything. The coronavirus has invaded our nation and wreaked havoc in our economy, in our health, and in our families. All things that many people have put their trust in instead of God. Then this past week, we've come face to face with our systemic racism as a nation with the death of George Floyd. And with a heavy heart, I watched the news, and I watched the news coverage of the protest as it began around, as I, I started watching it right around 8.40-something at night. And I saw how that protest progressed 
and became violent. With a heavy heart, I sat and I, I couldn't stop watching as I saw these people in the streets. I saw police officers trying to protect. I saw the anger and the brokenness in our nation, in our towns, in our cities. It'd be easy to have that spirit of fear. It'd be easy to give in to a spirit of fear, and no one would blame you for it. Anxiety and fear continues to rise as we absorb all this information that's being brought to light. I have no doubt that this should awaken the church. God is trying to get our attention, and God is calling his church to rise above, to rise above the fray of the things that we're seeing and experiencing, and not getting caught up in the undertow of all that's going on. Have you ever been on an airplane flight where you've had to, you've had to go up in the air on a rainy day or a cloudy day or a stormy day? That flight takes off and you see the gray clouds all around you. There might even be some rain or some thunder all around you. But when you reach a certain elevation, what happens? You rise above the storm. The storm is going on beneath you. The storm is going on below you, but you rise above it. And this is not a time for the church to contribute to the chaos, but to rise above and become part of the solution. If we are called to rise above, and I believe we are, then what does that mean for us? How do we do that in today's environment? What are we called to do? How do we rise above? We're going to take our cues from a man named Joshua as we look at his story in the Old Testament. He was one person that had to rise above the situation and the circumstances he was facing of his day to do something different, to be courageous when it seemed like it was going to be difficult to do that. He was called to do a job that no one else wanted. Who would want a group of people who continuously complained about their leadership and also were so stubborn that they wouldn't listen to anything that he said and so stubborn that they had to wait for 40 years in the wilderness before they could experience the promised land. Now given the context, of course we know this is the next generation, but you probably heard the phrase, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Guaranteed there were circumstances there, and there was some murmuring over time. But given the context and theme of Joshua chapter 1, it seems as if Joshua may have had a little bit of fear there in his heart. Because God had to continuously remind him to be courageous. I'm guessing he may have asked himself a lot of questions that maybe you and I would have asked if we were in that situation. Many of you have heard this phrased as self-talk. Looking at yourself and seeing, man, am I really the person to lead these people? Why should I do that? What if we don't win the battles and people die? What if I'm not strong enough? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I'm not skilled enough to lead these people? 
Let's read together Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It's going to be behind me. You can open your Bibles or maybe your YouVersion app if you have some other Bible app on your phone. I'm using the New Living Translation. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I have promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south, to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now there are three things this morning that we can learn from Joshua, to help us to rise above the fear that can easily rise up in our hearts. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is to completely trust God. Everybody say completely. Completely trust God. That means God, whatever happens, however it happens, in, the, in your timing, no matter what comes my way, I am going to trust you. That's what it means to completely trust. Trust God. It's plain and simple. It's not complicated. And what builds Joshua's trust over his lifetime? Remembering what God has done in the past and the reassurance that God is with him. Remembering what, he, what God has done in the past and the assurance that God is with him. What God had done in the past, we see that Joshua was alive to see the experience as, they, as God brought them out of Egypt, as they crossed the Red Sea. He saw how God provided food. He saw how God provided water out of a rock. He saw how their shoes and their sandals and their clothes didn't even wear out over that time. So when God said in verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. He knew that God would make good on his promise. Why? Because he had seen it. He had experienced it. He knew that God would do what he said he would do. You see, the antidote to fear is trust. Complete trust. When you trust fully, fear dissipates. 
fear leaves. Why? Because you recognize it's not in your control. You're saying, God, you are in control. You are on the throne. And when you can live with that kind of trust, there's not a whole lot that can shake your faith. If God is with you, you've heard this before, if God is with you, who can be against you? The song we sing, the angel armies, you know, you know who goes before you. You know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us. Wherever we go, we know that we have his protection and we don't have to live in fear because if God is with you, who can be against you? Now, some of you may counter this morning that, well, that promise was for Joshua. It's not my promise. Really? Ephesians chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. When there's a need, he is there. We don't put our trust in money. We put our trust in him. Verse 6. So we can say with confidence. So we can say with confidence. We can say it. We can state it. We can declare it. This, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. We can say that with confidence. What can mere people do to me? When you truly trust God fully, then that's your attitude. What can people do to me? I trust him. I trust his plan. I trust what is going on in my life. And even though I may, may not understand it, I'm going to trust him anyway. And in Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says that he will be with us even to the end of the age. What do we have to fear? So the keys are to be satisfied because God is with you and will never abandon you. The Lord is our helper. He is with us. There is no fear. So we trust. We trust that God is good, like we often sing here in this place. We trust that he has a plan, and we trust that he knows exactly what he's doing. But it's also the moment where his church sees what's going on, on around the world and says, you know what? There's a broken world out there that we need to be reaching. There's a broken world. There's a harvest field out there of people who are broken, who are afraid, who are living in fear, who are struggling, that need to hear the hope of Jesus Christ. What, did jo what else did Joshua need to rise above this fear? He needed encouragement to be strong and courageous. And I'm here this morning to tell you that God would say the same thing to you in this moment in time, to be strong and courageous. He's called you to this time. He's called you to do something. He's called his church to be the leading light in this world right now at this time. You are not here by accident. And in verses 6, 7, and 9, I'll repeat the same thing to Joshua, and we repeat, repeat the same thing to us. You don't have to live in fear because God is with you. Trust leads to courage because if you trust that God has a plan for your life, you can step out. When you believe that God is in control, you can step out of your comfort zone knowing that he is with you. You rise above fear because you have confidence in the one who goes before you. 
You have confidence in the one who stands behind you. You have confidence in the one that stands beside you. 1 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Other versions say a sound mind. He's replaced fear with power, love, self-disciplined, or a sound mind. What else do we need to rise above fear? The second thing is to focus on the promises. Some of you might remember uh, an old hymn, Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises of Christ our King. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of Christ my Savior. Hopefully I got those words right. I'm ad-libbing here. (laughs) In verse 8 it says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to do everything written in it. Only then will you prosper in all that you do. So what is this telling us? In order to do away with fear, we have to focus our mind on the right things. We have to focus our mind on God's promises for us. If there are things that you're allowing into your mind that causes you to feel fear, anxiety, or stress, I'm telling you as your pastor, turn it off. Stop reading it. Stop listening to it. End it. And put your mind on God's word and his promises for you. If you feel fear and panic overtake you, rise above it and stop letting those things in. If you're watching a steady diet of news, no wonder why fear is building up in you. Turn it off and read the good news. Get your mind focused on eternal things, not the temporary things of this life. Do this and God will make your way prosperous and you will succeed. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 9. This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting in the practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then, everybody say then, then the God of peace will be with you. When you study this in Greek, one of the big phrases that we use whenever we're we're kind of translating different passages, it's the if-then statement. There's something that you have to do, then this will happen. And here's yet another if-then statement. If you fix your thoughts on the right things, then the peace of God will be with you. What's the opposite of that? If you fix your mind on the wrong things, then the peace of God will not be with you. If you fix your mind on the right things, the peace of God will be with you. My question this morning is, what are you fixing your thoughts on? What are you fixing your thoughts on? How do we rise above fear? We trust God. We focus on his promises. And the last thing I'm going to speak about this morning, which often sounds like a last resort, 
but it's not. It's a powerful weapon that's given to every believer, and that's to pray. Now, we don't see Joshua in, in this particular chapter going to pray, but we do see Joshua praying in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Joshua was a man of prayer, even prior to having any leadership. He was a man who humbled himself before God in prayer. And this shows us that Joshua was a man of prayer that even after Moses left, he remained. He continued to pray. God was beginning to prepare him for this next season of his life. There was a time of pre preparation. And I have a feeling that there was a lot of prayer there in that time of preparation for Joshua. And God is also calling his church to pray. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank, thank him for all he has done. Then, oh, here's another phrase like that. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you don't worry and instead you pray, then you will experience God's peace. There it is again. Do you want to experience God's peace? There's some things you have to do, right? There's some things that are, if you do this, God will do that. We need to experience his peace. So we go to prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I just want to take a moment. This isn't in my notes, but I just want to share this with you because I've been texting uh, Sean Costa back and forth this past week. And... Um, I think it's good to hear what God is doing and what he continues to do, even through what we're facing. Sean's uh, looking to come back next week. He is on strict regulations because he works in a nursing home. But I wanted to share with you today that in his nursing home, there were zero cases of COVID-19. None. Only one of two on all of Cape. One of two. Zero cases. And Sean really believes that not only did God protect his nursing home, but it's because there's several Christians that are working there, and the director is a Christian. And they're giving the glory to God when people ask them, why? Why did you not have any cases? They're believing that God has worked a miracle to protect them and their people there. That's worthy of celebration because we do serve a supernatural God that can protect you, and you don't have to live in fear. So tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. I thank him for what he has done there in that circumstance and what he continues to do in my life and your life. You see, prayer brings humility. There's an often quoted verse that you've probably heard even in recent times. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I want to encourage you to do something. Don't read over this too quickly. Because this passage, I think often we skip over this, but we don't really let this hit. This passage says, humble yourself 
and pray. See, often prayer becomes us telling God what we want to be done. Is that humbling yourself before God? Is that a prayer that he will hear from heaven and heal our land? No, humbling yourself is coming before God, knowing you do not have all the answers. But you have to learn to say, Lord, I may not understand what you're doing, but your will be done. That's humbling yourself in prayer. That's praying for what you need, but at the same time saying, God, your will be done. If you humble yourself and pray, there's another if then. If you humble yourself and pray, then I will heal your land. So it takes an error of humility in our lives to say, I'm not perfect. I have sinned. I come before God in humility because I don't have it all together. And neither does my brother and sister. And neither does my neighbor or my family member. But Lord, I'm coming before you with my heart and I'm laying it at your throne and asking you to work on my behalf. How do we rise above fear? We completely trust God. We live courageously. We focus our mind on the right things, on his promises, and we pray in humility. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to prepare to close this message today. But you may be here this morning and you do not completely trust God. In fact, you don't feel any sense of peace in the midst of the storm. That may be an indicator that you haven't fully trusted God with your life. And you can do that today. You can give your life to him. He can forgive all of your sin of your past and begin to make things new in your life today. You see, God sent his son so that we can be forgiven. So that we can, whatever we've done in the past, we can start new. The Bible says that he makes all things new. And there are others here, maybe this morning, that needed a reminder of how to rise above the storms of life. Maybe you've been facing it. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've had a difficult time over the last several months. This morning, maybe you need to recommit your life to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you completely. I want to focus my mind on the right things. I want to pray with humility, knowing that I don't have all the answers, and I wish I did. There may be some of you here that need to repent of racism in your heart. This is the time to repent and to change. Don't dismiss the symptoms with riots and violence. Search for the root cause of that violence. It starts on an individual level with racism in our hearts. And racism works all ways. Let's give this over to Jesus this morning and call for his peace in our lives right now. You can pray something like this. I'm going to pray, and you can pray it in your heart if you'd like to receive Christ today, or maybe there's another part of this prayer this morning that hits you. 
Lord, forgive me of my sin and give me a new life today. Help me to rise above my circumstances. If there's any form of racism in my heart, reveal it now and bring your forgiveness and help me to change. Help me to trust you completely, even when it's hard to do so. Help me to focus on your promises for my life and help me to pray with humility so that you will heal us as individuals and you will heal our land. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's have everyone stand this morning. What I've done as the blessing today is going to be a little bit different, but I took all of the scripture passages or the, the main ones that we read today and I made them personal for you. So I'm going to state them and you're going to repeat after me and you're going to declare it because this is God's word and this is, these are God's promises for your life. So I will start off and you will repeat after me and you're declaring this this morning. I will be strong and courageous. I will not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. The Lord will never fail me. He will never abandon me. So I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? For God has not given me a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I will study this book of instruction continually. I will meditate on it day and night. So I will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will I prosper and succeed in all I do. I will fix my thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. I will think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with me. I will not worry about anything. Instead, I will pray about everything. I will tell God what I need and thank him for all he has done. Then I will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything I can understand. His peace will guard my heart and mind as I live in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Don't live in fear. God bless you. back on your way out and you'll be uh, released row by row here this morning.